How's it going, SideQuesters? It is me, your buddy, your friend, Tom, Red, whatever you want to call me. So, with everything that happened this week, uh, we had some interruptions. So, I'm going to just step in and do a short little kind of get-to-know-me podcast episode. Because you guys hear about us all the time and what we're interested in. But uh, I feel like in order to kind of connect with you guys kind of put it out there, kind of get the conversational fluids going, kind of talk about uh, my interests uh, just in gaming or things like that, whatever comes up. It's not going to be a very long podcast because I'm doing this right before work. So, you know, got to get that nine to five going. Um, So to start it all off, I am very eclectic when it comes with everything. I like many different types of music. I like many different styles of books, comics, video games, what what have you. I you could go through my musical playlist. One minute you'll be listening to thrash metal, next minute you'll be listening to BTS. Like it's just constant revolution of different styles. Um but I've kind of grown up where I was told that I had to stick to one set thing. My dad was very much a heavy metal slash classic rock person. And if you didn't like that, then you were kind of judged and made fun of for it. Um, And my mom was very much like the pop slash classic rock kind of person. And she really didn't care. (laughs) Um. So it wasn't really until later that I found out that I liked a lot more things than I did. Like, I grew up listening to things like uh, Def Leppard or watching action movies because any other type of movie was stupid. Um, That kind of stuff. So once I got into high school, I was able kind of to spread my wings and kind of get an idea of who I was and what I enjoyed. And because I was in that period of testing things out, come to find out that I like pretty much everything. Um, I had a group of friends that kind of pushed me in every direction when it came to video games, which made me very happy. It brought me to where I am today, especially when it comes to streaming and whatnot. I will literally try to play everything. (laughs) Um, So with that in mind, I'm going to kind of give you guys a walkthrough of my top five games. And in those top five games, I there might be some spoilers if you have not played the games. So if you hear about a game that you don't want to be spoiled about, I apologize. I don't know if there's a way to skip ahead in a podcast. You can try, but I don't honestly know. <laughs> um, so let's stop it. So any of these top five are interchangeable. Because I am very fluid when it comes to my favorites on these. And honestly, this might be subject to change. Because we got a bunch of new games that are going to be coming out this next year and next couple years that have me so excited that they might take over this list. (laughs) Um, Let's start at the bottom of the list. Make our way up. And like I said, this is my own opinion. This has just kind of stuck out to me as my favorite games. You may have very different favorites. 
but we're and again, it's in any order. Don't take just because I say it's at number five, it's at number five. That could be number five today and number two tomorrow. Um, so anyway, number five is the entirety of the Metal Gear Solid franchise. But if I had to choose one of those games, Metal Gear Solid 3, Snake Eater. That game kind of introduced me to like stealth games. Because I was not good at stealth games at all. I tried playing Thief. I tried playing, like, uh, what was it called? Uh, trying to think of what, like, when I was playing games like Skyrim or playing games like Oblivion, I, <laughs> I tried to sneak. I tried very hard to sneak. I even used, like, a sneak and a bow, the, like, the stereotype meta of those games. You sneak around, you use a bow, you get crit damage because you're sneaking and you get long-range damage. I somehow still get caught every single time. <laughs> um, but once I started playing the Metal Gear Solid games, it kind of pulled me into this, like, okay, I have to sneak. I have to, like, get past this. The story pulled me in so much, the characters pulled me in so much, that I felt like I had to keep going and I had to push through in order to make it work. Later, I found out that there is only a couple sections that you had to sneak and you could actually just kind of shoot your way through. But uh, I felt it was more attuned to the character to actually try and sneak through everything. <laughs> um, Snake is one of those characters that automatically, just based on the meme of the character, made me love the character. Like, in no way, shape, or form is he a good person. He's kind of misogynistic. He is very old school, specifically in Metal Gear Solid 3. Metal Gear Solid 3, he's kind of misogynistic. He's very, like, straightforward, kind of, I really don't give a shit about you kind of person. But uh, just the meme of the character and seeing him overcome, like, these odds that he has pushed against him was enough to make me like, oh yeah, like this character is something else. Like I've never like I'm used to playing games like uh like say Legend of Zelda, Pac-Man, like Nintendo style games. Cause that's what I grew up on, Super Nintendo. And to see this rough, like smoked 13 packs of cigarettes a day riding in on a motorcycle using hand-to-hand -hand combat to disarm like seven different people at one time that was intense like it was something that i'd never seen before never thought to try before never thought it would be in a video game but it got me hooked immediately so i went through the whole series the whole damn series and i feel out of all of them, three definitely stood out to me the most. It had the best music. It had the best boss fights. It had the best mechanics. And everyone's going to say, no, Metal Gear Solid 5, Phantom Pain is top tier. Which, graphics-wise, yes. Story-wise, I have no idea what the fuck it's doing. I apologize for the swearing, but uh, 
I really, I play that game and I'm like, I don't know where this is going. Like, one minute I'm in a hospital, turning into somebody else, and then getting chased by a fire whale. So, it has that zaniness that uh, most Metal Gear Solid games have, but it's to an extreme that it's like, oh, this is normal. This is this is normal. When you play through, like, Metal Gear Solid 1, 2, and 3, everyone's shocked when they find out these people can do these things. Nobody in the first game was like, oh, Psycho Mantis. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's, that's normal. People have psychokinesis and control you and control other people around you. No, he's like, well, how the hell is he doing this? <laughs> Vulcan Raven. Oh, he just has a giant tank and he can survive through almost anything. Yeah, yeah, that's normal. No, no, like. It, the newer game just kind of makes you think like, wow, like, did they just give up? Because of the whole Konami Kojima thing, did they just give up? And kind of just throw at whatever hit the wall and stuck. And just went with it. So when I actually play these games, I actually play one through three. And I never go all the way to five. Or one through four, technically. Because four is still kind of... Because it's a little extreme. But I still will play it. Because it's still an entertaining time. I just... I skip five every time. I play through it enough to know that I don't care for it. I'll play it just to like have a laugh every so often, but that's about it. Uh, moving on to number four, Final Fantasy VI. Now, I don't really need to tell you guys how much we love Final Fantasy here. Between Eric and myself, I think we've talked about Final Fantasy probably more than any game series in existence. Yeah, I, I'd say so. Um, but Final Fantasy VI kind of stuck out to me. It was one of the... One of the earlier Final Fantasy games that I had ever played. It was still in that era of 2D sprites. It was all over the place. Which, in this game, it felt like it was supposed to be. It was utter chaos. You have a villain who is a clown who is poisoning villages and killing off his own men just for the laugh of it because he's an evil bastard. Kefka is by far probably the scariest villain I have seen in a video game to date. His laugh is synonymous with evil and scary. If you play any of like the with those Flash, Sonic EXE games or Mario EXE kind of games that are supposed to be like creepypasta things, they always use Kepka's laugh. If that doesn't tell you anything right there, like, it, <laughs> the guy is supposed to be evil. He was made to be evil. He is scary as hell. He wins. I don't care what you say about Sephiroth being a badass. Okay. I'll give it to you. Sephiroth is a pretty boy who has a big sword and a wing. Okay. Cool. What's creepier than clowns? 
<laughs> How about a clown that turns into God? That that's enough for me. Um, and this, I feel like this game also. There's one particular scene that if you ever played Final Fantasy VI, you know exactly where I'm going because this one scene is so ridiculous that it pulls me back every single time just so I can laugh at it. You choose a party to go to an underground kind of area and you start realizing that something's kind of off in the area. People are not people. There are just like monsters everywhere. And you get on this train that's supposed to like take you somewhere. I can't remember 100%. Um, come to find out that the train is actually a monster called the Ghost Train. <laughs> you are then put on the tracks of the train and you are running. The whole stage is you running away from the train. And you are still fighting it, which is a hilarious scene to watch your players that, are, that so far have only been 2D sprites standing against their opponent. To watch them have to run away and attack at the same time. Now, there is a specific character that you have on your team that can make quick work of this train. And it's somebody you don't expect because he's not magical in the least. And that is Sabine. Sabine is your, like, grappler, brawler. Like, he's the fighter of the group. He goes up and punches people and uses wrestling moves. He's like, if you took Tifa and Zell and mix them together, that's who Sabine is. So... One of the abilities you have with Sabine is he can learn different combat moves. Kind of like the roulette, roulette abilities or combo abilities from the other fighters from other games where you can learn like Dolphin Flip and uh, whatever the punch one is. I can't remember. Um, but you learn all those types of moves. Sabine has a specialty known as the Suplex. To which you can use that on the train and do some super heavy damage. Literally, he will run up, grab the train, flip, and drop it into the ground. He will suplex a train. That alone made this the best game for Final Fantasy I'd ever seen. <laughs> Just in like a joking standpoint. Um, and that's the fun part about this game. There are moments where you have that comic relief because you need it. There are points in the game where it gets extremely dark. Like you find out about Tara's family and where Tara actually comes from and what happened to them and why she is the protagonist in this game and why in the beginning of the game she is um, brainwashed, basically, into being a slave. You find out all these tragic backstories about, uh, let's see, like specifically Sabine, who was, spoiler alert on this section, who was a crowned prince of a kingdom, only to kind of walk away and be exiled because of the way he acts. 
So there's a lot of different. This is one of the first games I played that had so many different character aspects about them. Like Cole, Locke Cole is like your thief, but he's not he's not a normal thief. He's actually like a decent human being who's trying to help everybody. And he only steals what he needs. Uh, Sabine's brother Edgar is trying to run the kingdom by himself when he was supposed to have his brother's aid in this. And he doesn't know if he's good enough to actually do this on his own. So you're going through his whole story trying to figure out if maybe he is the right person for the job. He just needs to actually push and show people that he's good for the job. Then you have like, let's see, I'm trying to remember her name. Uh, was it Celeste? Yeah, Celeste. Celeste was like an old military general from the Empire who was underneath people like Kefka and all that stuff. Um, and she kind of is your like one of the antagonists that you go against in the beginning of the game, anyway. Because she's like this feared knight who's super strong and takes on militaries by herself and does all this kind of stuff. And you hear her about her and she sounds so badass. Um, and then she gets dropped by the army because she doesn't feel it's ethical the way that everything's going with Kafka in charge. Watching him poison her men and watching him do all this stuff. So she decides to leave and... She has a beautiful scene where she is supposed to disguise herself as an opera singer to kind of sneak into this high stake or this high class club and whatnot. And she has this probably the most beautiful songs in Final Fantasy history. You find out that she has this like amazing singing voice for opera. And Locke is with her, trying to support her through this whole thing. And he immediately starts falling for her because of this scene. Of course, he gets ruined by a giant monster, squid, octopus creature that kind of shows up. But it's like a very touching scene. You can like you feel her emotions through the way that she's singing and see how it is through the music. And it's so well done that I highly recommend this game. Yes. I get it. It's not the highest of graphics that you're going to get in a Final Fantasy game. But graphics, graphics, I don't give a shit. If you guys can play Final Fantasy 7 with their weird polygonal rectangular oval body things, you can play this game for what it is. Okay. So I think if you're on long enough on Final Fantasy 6... We talk about Final Fantasy so often that it just kind of becomes a tangent on its own. <laughs> um, number three, I have Bloodborne. Now, I am a huge fan of the Souls from software games. Most of them. I'm not a big fan of Sekiro. I understand. I love the design of Sekiro. I love the style of Sekiro. But the combat in it is so complex that I just could not get into it. Bloodborne, however, is very much my style. It's aggressive. It's in your face. In order to counter... Normally when you're playing one of the Souls games, 
especially the Dark Souls side of things. In order to counter, you have to find the right enemy and you have to shield block at the last second or have to actually hit the parry button, depending on which game you're playing, and kind of stun them. You stun lock them, and that's when you can get your critical attacks. In this game, no. You get two weapons. There is a shield in the game, but the shield sucks, so we don't play with the shield. <laughs> uh, you get a few different guns throughout the game, but uh, you start off with either a blunderbuss spread shot, which does heavy damage and makes it a lot easier to hit your target when you're up close. Or you get the pistol, which is longer range, a little bit quicker to use, and it's kind of my personal favorite. I didn't care for the blunderbuss. I prefer the pistol. Um, pistol and battle axe start off. Most OP combo ever. <laughs> um, this game has so many ways to play it. So many ways. It's a From Software game, so you expect that. But like I said, you go to like games like Sekiro and you don't get as many options. You actually get no options. You get the same weapon and you get the same outfit the entire time. Which I get it, they're trying to paint a story. When you play things like Dark Souls, Dark Souls has so many styles of armor that you can get in this game. So many types of weapons. You play Bloodborne, you get so many costumes and so many weapons. <laughs> Um, not as many as Dark Souls, because Dark Souls, you can just walk around and be like, oh, look, a pitchfork. Oh, look, <laughs> um, a shovel. <laughs> Let me just use these. And Bloodborne, it's very much like, hey, what if we took a weed eater and put a buzzsaw on the end of it? There you go. Whirly Gig Axe, right there. That's actually the name of it. Oh, no, it's a Whirly, whirly Gig Saw is what's called. Um, but that's only DLC stuff. Um, but you can get so many different styles and mixtures of clothing and weapons and like augmentations on your weapons. Like you get these little gems, bloodstone gems that you can equip to your gun, equip to your sword or whatever weapon you're using. And it enhances certain parts about it. And I love that aspect. Then you have things like the HP Lovecraftian giant monsters that you have to fight, or these people who are villagers who are contracted by the cursed blood of the area that are trying to, A, in the beginning, defend themselves because they think that you are just there to kill them, which you are, because they are actually not innocent. They are turning into monsters. There are a select few who are very helpful to you who are not turning into monsters, but a good majority of them are. It's very, all I can say is very Lovecraftian. It makes you think. It makes you think out of things that normally would be creepy as hell. And you find out along the way <clears throat> there's more to it than just like a curse or like people turning into monsters or you 
going more and more insane. There's more to it than that. Because by the time you get to the end of the game, if you've done everything correctly, this is gonna this whole <laughs> this part of the conversation is gonna sound very, very odd when it comes to explaining this game. When you get to the end of the game, if you have collected all of the umbilical cords, yes, umbilical cords, and you've eaten them or used them, whatever way they do that, and you've defeated German, the final boss. You think it's over. You've beaten the final fight. You've seen the victory. It's done. But then you get another cutscene. Now, normally, if you have not eaten or used the umbilical cords, a creature will come down from the moon called the Moon Presence. It's very, you can tell it's very Lovecraftian because it's got all the tentacles and monster face and everything to go along with it. And basically it will turn you into the new German. You become the new caretaker. Because you don't have any power over it. It turns you into that because you don't have a choice. But if you've eaten all the umbilical cords, it turns you basically into a higher being. And the moon spirit sees this, and now you have to defeat the moon spirit, which gives you an extra layer of boss fight. Which I didn't know the first three or four times playing it. There are so many hidden things in this game that I still haven't found everything. There is a sword I have been hunting for in this game for five years. And I still miss one thing every single time in order to get it. Every single time. I haven't fought all the bosses yet. I've fought, or I've beaten most of them. But there are still like two or three that I still have not seen. And that's what's interesting. When it comes to these Dark Souls-style games, A, nothing is up front. Sure, this game is a little bit more hand-holdy because it feels like everything's going in a specific path. But they don't tell you the story. You can find that out by reading documents or talking to the people or just like picking up different things here and there. They tell story elements in the items that you will use in the clothes in the consumables in the weapons everything has a bit of lore in it so if you actually want to deep dive into any of the lore that comes with dark or uh, bloodborne you just have to look at the items and it explains everything to you you want to know what's going on in the hospital area Look at that. You picked up a like a charm or a hat or something along those lines. And it tells you about specific things in the area. And that's awesome. It's unique. It's just, it feels like people don't play it because it's a hard game. Which it is. I will give it 100%. It is a difficult game. 
but I feel it's more difficult because of the camera. The camera is the problem that always gets me. <laughs> um, so yeah, we're going to cut off on Bloodborne there. I could go on a lot more of a tangent on it, but we are short on time and we have two more games still to go through. Um, so let's go to number two. Number two for me is a game that I was very surprised by. Uh, I shouldn't have been because it's very up my alley given like Bloodborne and uh, the number one game, which you'll see in a little bit. Um, the game is called Control. Now, for those of you who know this game, think of the best Star Wars game possible. Now, take the powers out of that game, give it to this main character, and make it come out before any good Star Wars games came out. And that's the power of this character. You can force throw, force shield. You can do all this kind of stuff. And they did it so well that it was unbelievable. It's a trippy-ass game. I will give you that. All about finding out that there is a government facility that controls or tries to take or tries to control and contain these supernatural items that are called objects of power that can do random things that connect to like different like planes of existence kind of deal. Like there is a, what was it? There was a film reel that when played, can teleport you to different places that are on the reel. But there's a catch to it. There's always a catch to these objects of power. They have this astronomical sense of power. But there's always a drawback. And you slowly start learning about these things because you were once your character, Jesse one of the most badass protagon female protagonists in any game I've seen, finds out that, well, I mean, she already knows, that she is one of the victims of one of these objects of power. Her and her brother once used the reel and the projector, and when they used it, they were able to go to these fantastical places and see these things, and it was amazing. But in the same night that they did this, every adult that was in their village or in their town disappeared. They just vanished off the face of the earth. So the group that runs this organization came in, were doing their investigation, and Jesse's brother Dylan was taken away. Because he was seen as being corrupted by the object of power. But Jesse somehow got away. Because of a specific creature, or we'll say, or entity known as Polaris. 
who kind of helped her get away from these people. So the whole point of the game is you find the building. In the building, you are trying to find your brother because you haven't seen him since the day. In this building, you find out that they are collecting every object of power. So, the first thing you do is you try to find the president of the company. When you find him, you find him with a gun next to him, a very weird looking gun, and he had just shot himself. You pick up the gun, and this is where shit gets weird. (laughs) You pick up the gun, and you are now sitting at his desk with the gun pointed at your head. Apparently there is a test. If you pass the test, you become the new CEO, president, or whatever it is. Um, The director, that's what it is. You become the new director. If you fail, you end up like the guy before you, and you are dead. So now, you were pulled here for two reasons now. Originally, you thought you were only coming in here to find your brother. But the board, who is like the overall like controlling group of the building, puts you in charge of taking care of everything. No reason why. Just you are now going to try and take up the mantle of the director and fight off the supernatural and the monsters and everything that's coming through from one side to the other, that's your job. And this is when it gets action-packed. You are going to be fighting monster people, people who are mutated by the objects of power or by the this supernatural entity called the Hiss that corrupts human minds and makes them into basically like zombie superhuman creatures. All to this like badass soundtrack and amazing combat and superpowers and different cameos from like this company's other games. Wink, wink, Alan Wake is in here somewhere. (laughs) Um, You find out all these quirky characters uh, like. What's her name? Dr. Pope, I think her name is, where she's like this bubbly, cheery person all the time. And you think she's actually insane when in actuality she's just nice. She's a decent human being who was just like, hey, I'll be your friend in this whole situation. Let's go kick some monster butt. <laughs> it's such an intriguing story that I don't want to put it down ever. You ever watch like an episode of Twin Peaks and you're like, oh, shit, I got to find out what's going on now. This shit's so weird. I gotta find out. Yeah, this, that's this this game. This game is like Twin Peaks, the movie, the game. <laughs> um, I highly recommend this game to anybody who has not played it. It usually goes on sale quite a bit, honestly, because it's not as well known as some of the other styles of game like this. 
but it is such a blast to play. It is so intriguing to try and figure out the story and find out all the elements and how they all tie together. Like each of the characters has certain backstories about them that's like, oh, well, I know what you did. <laughs> so I highly recommend this game to anybody who likes that like weird style sci-fi action horror kind of game. Um, so moving on to number one on my list is if anyone knows me, has seen any of my Twitch stuff or anything like that, you will know this 100%. My favorite game of all time is Bioshock. Bioshock, Bioshock 2, Bioshock Infinite, all of them. I don't give a damn. You can say Bioshock 2 is trash. Guess what? That game is so fun as hell. The story, yes, it was odd. You're going to find out about most of the games I like. The story is odd all the time. But it is so, so intriguing and so fun to the first game you get dropped into the ocean to find the, or actually you're in a plane that crashes and you kind of go down there on accident only to be confronted by these mutated people who are all drugged up on this thing called Adam, which is giving them powers, but also killing them. And then you get powers by injecting yourself with Adam, but only enough to basically make you survive. So you can run around and shoot lightning at people and hit people with a wrench or freeze people and do different combos and all this kind of stuff. Number two, Bioshock 2. You get in and you're a big daddy. You're one of the staple creatures or beings in this franchise trying to help your little sister or well, your daughter, but they're called the little sisters. When you find out that her mother finds out that she is now a little sister and goes after you to basically kill you off so that way that she can turn her daughter back into a normal little girl. And then the story takes a complete, complete 180 and you get into Bioshock Infinite, which instead of going down, you go up into the skies, into this like <clears throat> Civil War era style metropolis, I guess you can call it, where <clears throat> things like war doesn't exist because they fought all their wars on the ground and now everyone lives in the sky in peace. Or they still carry on with racism because it's what they had last known. But there are groups of people who are fighting against it. So there's like secret wars going on. There are these amazing creatures. And once you get in, like, there's been amazing voice acting in this series to begin with. Sure, it's a little hit or miss sometimes. There are certain characters that you can tell are very much side characters that don't get as good voices. But when you get into, like, Bioshock Infinite, the voice acting in that game 
is so it, it's it's amazing. So you are given Booker DeWitt in Infinite, who is voiced by Troy Baker, I believe. Hold on. I got to make sure that I'm correct on this. No. Yeah, it is Troy Baker. Yeah. So around that same time, he was also doing Last of Us. So he was the voice of Joel. So I love Troy Baker as a voice actor. He does amazing, amazing work. And hearing him as Booker Duet, who is this like disheveled ex, like detective who kind of lost his way because he lost his daughter kind of deal. And he got into a bunch of debt, started drinking, lost all control and was told that if he goes up to this place to old Columbia, gets this specific girl and brings her back, all his debt is gone. And then you get up there and things Things take a very wild turn. You have to, in order to enter into Columbia, you have to go through a baptism. And in that baptism, they almost kill you. They almost drown you because they think that you are so dirty that you need to be extinguished. And then you meet the best. So this is supposed to be a uh, escort mission. This is supposed to be the escort game of escort games. You meet the best escort like companion ever when you meet Elizabeth. She can rip open dimensions with her mind, pull out different weapons, give you money out of nowhere, and do all these crazy things. And it's so amazing to see, like, this kind of game get that kind of treatment. Because the banter between Troy and Courtney, Courtney Draper does the voice of Elizabeth in this game. The, the conversation between the two of them, it's so intense. You can feel, like, the emotion going back and forth between the two of them. There is one of my favorite things I found out is that there is a YouTube video out there. <clears throat> you can look this up if you feel like it. Where they are trying to do a scene where Courtney is supposed to cry. Elizabeth is supposed to cry at this scene because she is traumatized by something. But she can't cry on command. So she doesn't know how to make the crying voice. And Troy in order to get her to do this, goes into her booth and starts yelling at her. Basically forcing her into a point of like, okay, I'm panicked now. I am freaking out. Like he's not showing me any reason of why he's doing this and immediately starts crying. And he goes there. Now you can do the scene. And he immediately runs away. <laughs> So this whole, like, they are so, like, pushed into this scene that, it, the sad part is, that scene that I'm talking about, they didn't use in the game. They went through all of that 
and they didn't even put it in the game. And it's stuff like this that actually made me want to do voice acting. Voice acting has always been a passion of mine. Uh, if you ever see me on Twitch, I usually do weird voices or funky voices to begin with. Um, it's it's stuff like this that kind of pulled me in, and I was like, oh, I, I want to be able to do what they do. It looks so fun. Like, it's... I can I, I understand it's not always going to be a blast. But, I mean... To be able to give these characters life through voice... it It's like a dream. To be able to make a character feel the way they do just by using your voice to project it through. And... That's why, like, I love the Bioshock series. It's it's so crazy. There's so much emotion riding through it. It's awesome to play. Like, when you... I started playing this game when I was, like, in my teens. And being a teenager and seeing, like, oh, you can now throw lightning at people. But you can also, like, switch to, like, a weapon. Or, like, you can, like, set traps up. Or you can fight these giant creatures that come through with giant drills on their hands or like a giant bird man that's flying through the skies. It's so amazing that it captivated me right from the get-go. And I think with that, I have kind of covered everything video game, <laughs> basically, about myself. So basically, if you look at my list, the games I think are my top five are extremely weird. <laughs> they make me look weird. Um, I just like games that make you think, that make you look outside the box and see something other than what the game is showing you. Obviously, if you play games like... Um, like Halo, Call of Duty, stuff like that, if that's your preference on games... And there are some like tricks here and there that are very much so, um, very much outside the box thinking. There are some of that here and there in those games, but most of the games that I play or enjoy are like, oh, you have to look outside of that. You have to like use your brain and realize something's not right here. This is connected to this, but how is this connected to that? And then it's a puzzle that you have to piece together by playing the game. And I love that about gaming. It's one of the... Like, you can watch a movie and get that, but playing a game, it feels so much different to me. It's like you are taken on a ride, but you are somehow still in control of a lot of it. So... That being said, I think we are done here. So let's just recap, or actually don't need a recap. We all just went through it. You don't need a recap on that. <laughs> um, let's just get the closing out of here and uh, we'll do the the page shout outs and do all that. So um, if you would like to find me, I am at uh, redrival26 at twitch.tv forward slash redrival26. You can also find me at redrival26 on twitter.com. Um, you can also find us at PodSideQuest, at PodSideQuest on Twitter. 
if you would like to find Eric or Sire, he is the one true Sire at at, at the one true Sire on Twitter. I've never had to do the closing for everybody else on here before. <laughs> um, we try to do an episode a week, but with everything that's been going on, it's been very difficult. I'm in the middle of moving. He's having some stuff going on on his end. And we are just trying to push as much as we can for you guys, because I know I want you guys to have what we plan this to go. You know what I mean? We want to keep you guys entertained. We want to keep this flowing. We want to show you as much of us as possible, which is why I thought if I was going to do a solo episode, I wanted to do something like this so I could get to know or you guys could get to know me better. And if you wanted to either message us or tag us on Twitter or send an email. I cannot remember the email off the top of my head. You'll have to message one of us and I can get that information for you. I would love to hear what your top five games are. I would love to hear your thoughts on my top five games. I just want to get the conversation going and actually get to know you guys or you get to know us better, whichever way I feel like that would be best. Because in the end of the day, us doing this, you guys are the main reason we're doing it. You guys listening are the only reason we're doing this. Because if nobody's listening, then it doesn't matter. Um, I would also like to give a paid shout out to another group that we are very close to, or another friend of ours that we're very close to. And that is at underscore main quest for main quest. Keith, he is a amazing dude. Very funny. We are actually on an episode with him where we do one of our side quests as usual. Um, and he's just a fun, entertaining guy to listen to and just to talk to in general. It's very, some very smart ideas up in the head of his. So definitely give him a check out. And uh, yeah, I think that's it for me. That's it for us. So that way, that's it. <laughs> Hope you guys have a good time and uh, have a good week. Later.